The all-new Chevy Colorado is made for more. Stacked with the latest in-vehicle technologies like a class-leading 11-inch diagonal center touchscreen and an extra-large wireless charging pad. Plus, it features wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto compatibility to make staying connected easy wherever your adventure takes you. Chevy Colorado. Made for more. Learn more at Chevrolet.com slash truck slash Colorado. Claims based on latest competitive data. This is the On The Banks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Aaron Brightman. Welcome to episode 141 of the On The Banks podcast. I'm your host and managing editor, Aaron Brightman. Thanks so much for joining us once again. A little bit of a hiatus after the spring sports season ended. Men's across a tremendous run into the Final Four. Obviously losing to Cornell in the semifinals. Baseball also went to the Big Ten Championship game. Did not get a NCAA tournament bid. Lots of consternation and complaints from the fan base, rightfully so. And then track and field had a, a few All-Americans that uh, performed. Anand Bridget and Chloe uh, Timberg were All-Americans along with Jamison Woodall. So that finished the spring season a couple weeks ago. Wanted to wrap things up covering a review once again of the entire athletic season from fall 2021 through spring 2022 this past academic year, which was on paper the most successful year for Rutgers Athletics in the modern era. They're looking right now at their best ever Directors' Cup finish, number 45 nationally. Directors' Cup measures uh, NCAA championship performance across 20 different sports and you get points for how each program finishes and Rutgers uh, for the first time ever finishes in the top 50. Previous best was number 54 uh, back in the 2006-2007. You had uh, obviously football having a great year. You had uh, women's basketball had a tremendous year, but across the board, Rutgers Athletics, uh, not only just from a Directors' Cup perspective, but, you know, first two ever Big Ten titles in Rutgers history with women's soccer winning the regular season title, field hockey winning the Big Ten uh, championship game. Five teams made the Big Ten tournament championship game. You had six teams finish in the top 20 nationally within their respective sport. You had nine different programs ranked. Uh, It was just success in every season, you know, even in the fall with teams like men's soccer being ranked for a bit and being Indiana at Indiana was a huge win. You know, in the winter, you had gymnastics ranked for a time. They had five of their 10 best uh, meet scores in program history. Uh, you had swimming and diving uh, registered, you know, one of their better seasons in, in recent memory with Abigail Napton leading the way uh, on the board. Uh, and then you had in, in the spring, you had rowing once again, you know, perform well, finish number 13th nationally uh, under Justin Price. You had track and field, like I mentioned, along with both lacrosse teams, obviously uh, having great success. With, um, you know, and then baseball having their uh, best ever finish in Big Ten play. Just everywhere you you turned, you know, obviously uh, men's basketball setting a college basketball history with four ranked wins as an unranked team in a row. So it was just a a really uh, landmark year for the uh, athletics department. Um, But I believe there are better days ahead still. Um, But it certainly was quite a bit of improvement, even from last year, which was a very good year, uh, respectively. But Rutgers Athletics just continues to get better and better. And I think has really uh, cemented their their place in the Big Ten, which prides himself. You know, it's a conference that prides itself in in being uh, very good in many sports. 
and Rutgers was extremely competitive and at the top half of the standings in many sports this past uh, year. So to review it all and to harp on some notable and noteworthy uh, points from this past year, we welcome back good friend to the podcast and a uh, longtime On the Banks contributor, David Anderson, who we welcome in now. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the On the Banks podcast, David Anderson, longtime On the Banks contributor and good friend. David, thanks for coming back. Appreciate you being here. Oh, always appreciate talking about the Rutgers athletic programs, especially with you guys. So you and I kind of covered Rutgers athletics in general, kind of an overview with the very first podcast with former host Lance Glenn a few years ago. Last year, we did a kind of a recap being, uh, you know, one of the better years for Rutgers athletics in recent memory. And then this past year, even better looking like the best finish in Director's Cup standings uh, since it's been a thing for the last 20 or so years. So in modern history, the best year of Rutgers Athletics that we've seen. Definitely wanted to have you back to recap it all and wanted to first ask you, what was the most surprising, I guess, success for a team this past season? That's a good question. I would probably say the field hockey team winning the Big Ten tournament. Because there were just teams that it felt like they couldn't get over the hump. There was three other very legitimate teams between Iowa, Michigan, and Northwestern. So seeing them get pa- having to get past two of those teams to win a conference tournament title, I felt was the most surprising. Uh, whereas I think in some other sports, maybe you know you didn't have to face a, another legitimate opponent like that into the final. Uh, would you agree with that? Did you have another one in mind? But for me, that was definitely the most surprising. I didn't figure that one, but I think it's a good one. I mean, when you have Northwestern, what do they finish? Fifth or sixth in the Big Ten, and they won the national title. It's pretty yeah, amazing. It's crazy. So, yeah, I think for that, I mean, I think it was, to be honest, in my opinion, I mean, being at home, I think that certainly helped. And I, I expected them to play well. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. The competition, and that's of all the sports that the Big Ten has, I think field hockey gets forgotten in terms of it's arguably the most competitive. I mean, you have volleyball, you have so many great sports that that Big Ten is amazing in, but field hockey is certainly right up there. So for Rutgers to win the Big Ten championship in the tor- first ever Big Ten tournament, it's pretty remarkable. My, my my pick would be actually baseball. Just the fact that they weren't even picked to finish in the top six. Obviously, everyone says, oh, the Big Ten was down, the Big Ten was down. But, you know, you look at the transfers that Steve Owens brought in that this is really only his second full season to have this team win 44 games and, you know, uh, get to the Big Ten championship for the first time ever playing in the Big Ten tournament. You know, for me, it was, I, I think, the most surprising just in terms of the, the leap that they made this year. I didn't expect that. Right. Well, with baseball, I was actually going to have them if we went to least surprising accomplishment would have been simply them qualifying for the Big Ten tournament, because just the simple fact that they were going to come in the top eight with a coach like Steve Owens, who's proven everywhere he's been, but finishing second in the league and reaching the conference tournament final and, you know, falling short in a double elimination tournament where you don't lose two games, which just, just seems weird. Obviously, there's a lot of circumstances around that, but sure. I mean, the where that program had never finished top you know, eight to qualify for the Big Ten tournament until last year when they didn't have it, and then to come in second in the league, obviously, I, I watched <laughs> every game down the stretch, even when it was five o'clock in the morning in the you know conference tournament semifinal. But I mean, that, it just goes to show how good of a coach uh, Steve Owens is. I'm not sure if you wanted to talk about any of the other coaches, 
about maybe in their coaching accomplishments or who did you think had the best year as a coach, let's say other than Steve Owens, who I already nominated there. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the, the team that I think had the most talent and was the least surprising success, but still, I think from a coaching standpoint, Mike O'Neill for women's soccer, I think that yeah. to, to have, you know, an all American transfer in, Obviously, Frankie Tagliaferri, you know, is very familiar, has played with the other players, but you had, you know, a, a lot of, uh, you had a freshman class that was highly touted. You know, there's, I, I don't want to say egos, but there, there, there's, you know, I mean, there's players that talked about it that had never sat on the bench before that were sitting on the bench to start the season. You have Emily Mason, who's, you know, playing for the national team right now, the U21 national team, didn't start the first, you know, couple, uh, six right. weeks of the season you know, so for it to all to come together the way it did um, and to mesh all that talent together, it's, it's you know, obviously a huge talent pool, but to make it all work and to, you know, when uh, this team has had problems with shootouts in the past, to win two shootouts in the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, to make that leap, you know, I thought to make that Final Four, it, it, again, I, I thought they were extremely capable of doing that, but to actually pull that off the way they did, I thought was really impressive. And then I guess that kind of leads naturally into another, the next sport that we probably were going to talk about, which is men's lacrosse, because they had to reload as well. And we really didn't know what we were going to get from this team. It would have been perfectly reasonable if they, you know, dropped down a rung in the big 10 standings or even lost a few games non-conference, but they just came through with their best season program history. Right. So again, uh, they did hit the transfer portal hard, similar to what you had mentioned, um, but <laughs> it would be hard not to give, you know, their coach, uh, Brian Brecht, the nod for coach of the year uh, within the athletic department with the job he did. I mean, what, any other thoughts on the lacrosse season that just popped thinking about it now that we're at least a few weeks away from having that stinging loss in the final four? Yeah, I think uh, it's a great point. I think the job he did in the transfer portal, I mean, replacing, you know, three of the best offensive players in program history. And Sharon Labide's Mullins and, uh, you know, curse the one season he had, um, yeah. you know, dynamic scores. I think the player development side, you know, Ross Scott having the year he did, uh, you know, getting to 50 goals. You had that returning core in the, the midfield and the defense. You had Colin Curse and goal. So to keep those guys together, I, 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 I talked about it leading up to the final four. For me, the most remarkable thing is nobody leaves the program, not just this year, but in years past. You know, with the transfer portal being such a big thing, nobody leaves men's lacrosse. And that what I really discovered in talking to former players and um, it's just it's such a tight it's as tight of a program at Rutgers as there is. You know, just the Brecht is beloved by all the players, the way he works hard to keep everyone connected. It really was special to see them make that leap and get over the hump. When you think just, you know, two years ago, they had, uh, you know, a losing season in 19. They were two and four when COVID canceled their season. So, you know, you kind of wondered, would they ever get over the hump? So for them to have the success they've had the last two years, really remarkable. And uh, yeah, I don't think you can argue with Breck being coach of the year for, for all of Rutgers athletics. What I wanted to go to next was in terms of all the success that we had, you know, six teams finished in the top 20, essentially. You had wrestling to finish 20th at nationals. You had rowing to finish 13th. You had uh, women's lacrosse make it to the Sweet 16. Field hockey make the elite eight. And then obviously the two teams that made the final four, was there any team that had great success that you still felt, you know, they left a little bit on the table or were so close to just breaking through even more. So it's hard to say with wrestling is the one that I struggled with when we were thinking about doing this podcast the most. And the reason I say that is because all along the last few years, 
everybody was saying, okay, if they can just have a little bit more success at the higher weights, then this team is going to just, you know, finish top three in the big 10, you know, possibly earn a medal as a team in the national tournament. And they just, that didn't happen. Even with improved performances in the upper weight classes from a combination of injuries, a little bit of inconsistency, a couple upsets, it just seemed like things were not clicking for the wrestling team. Like they'd been in past seasons and maybe even a little bit of luck, like where there's some regression to the mean, or maybe this is an outlier with wrestling. It's hard to look at an individual season, very good or very bad. And, and think that that's really where the program is. You have to just look at it over a couple of years. And this program has done nothing with uh, coach Goodell to prove that, you know, this is where they're going to finish every year. Like they should regress a little bit back upward to, you know, what the team has been performing. But even that said, I I don't think they lost a non-conference match all season as a team. Uh, There was a couple close ones, especially that one against Columbia at the end, which kind of should have signaled to us that perhaps their postseason might not be as good as it's been in recent memory, but they they still won that match. Uh, They defeated, I believe it was Princeton too, which is always a tough match. So that was the only one that I would say I was kind of hoping for more. Everybody else, I think, at least met where they probably were. I guess that that's probably the answer that I would give. For example, if you want to, did you want to say South African wrestling before? Because I was going to jump to another sport, but keep going. Well, yeah, wrestling. I think you know, for them, honestly, I think in, in, injuries were, were a big issue. I think the fact that Rivera even finished third in nationals True. is kind of remarkable. True, yeah. He had knee surgery. I think it was five weeks before. You know, Poznanski wasn't right. Uh, you know, you had Jack, Jackson Turley. I mean, you, you guys that you know definitely were not healthy. And I think that that just took its toll. Um, but, you know, I, I think glass half full for them to finish 20th and have two All-Americans despite having a down year. I think that's, you know, uh, uh, certainly could be a lot worse. But oh, no, for sure. Before you go with something else, I was just going to mention, you know, I think field hockey, unbelievable season, winning the first Big Ten Championship, number one seed going to the NCAA tournament. You can't help but wonder that, you know, uh, shootout loss to Liberty, Liberty. The, you know, I know there's not a lot of diehard field hockey fans out there, but, you know, I got to know uh, the team pretty well and coach Civico and, and the last decade and what she's brought the program to for them to lose that was just heartbreaker. Uh, and you really feel for that team. I think as much as they accomplished, um, you really, you know, would have hoped to see them make the final four. And then I think men's basketball talk about, you know, peaks and valleys and a roller coaster ride that four game winning streak against, you know, ranked teams making NCAA, uh history, uh, college basketball history. And then obviously that Notre Dame game, uh, you know, I just, I watching that game, I just felt like those three guys, you know, and that program deserved to advance. And, uh, you know, the fact that they didn't obviously, you know, you can only blame themselves that that offensive rebound two years in a, go, in a row, you fall to an offensive rebound, uh, certainly bittersweet, but, um, you know, tremendous uh, accomplishments there as well. But th- those two losses for me, will stick out as two that you just wish, you know, had gone the other way because I think both of those teams had the potential to go a lot farther. Yeah. With field hockey, I'll admit, I think that their loss was felt the toughest to me. And I don't I have, like, like you said, we, I haven't followed the team for a lot of the years, but that one stung the most in the moment. They had a two to one lead late in the game. I mean, last five minutes, and you could just feel that Liberty had a couple individual players that were just turning up, you know, their skill level. 
And then once it went to shootout, that the other reason it was such a, an unfortunate gut punch was because you have an all-American goalkeeper, and ultimately, like she's the one who the loss falls on in the shootout, right? Because you're it's one on one, right? So for Gianna Glatz, I mean, nobody handled it better than she did, obviously. Uh, but that was the other thing that made it such a gut punch with men's basketball. Yeah. I mean, I just looked at that moment when they were trying to inbound the ball and, you know, Mulcahy received a lot of criticism for it with the inbounds, but it just, it just didn't seem like the game could end that way that Rutgers was going to inbound the ball, get fouled and call it a day. It felt like somebody was going to miss a free throw. There's going to be a turnover. Or somebody was going to hit a crazy three pointer on either side, but yeah, I mean, it came, it was an abrupt ending to the careers of those players for sure. I would say, you know, transitioning into another topic uh, in terms of wi- uh, women's lacrosse, that was an interesting one as well because it seemed like the stars were aligning. If you want to talk about fate for men's basketball or, you know, karma, it felt like the women's lacrosse team was at that same place, you're in the same field playing against the same opponent and you have a significantly better team than you did the year before. So the hope that they were going to jump that next hurdle and reach the final four was not as much of a gut punch because the game was not as close as these other ones that we're talking about that were decided in overtime. But at the same time, it was, it, it felt going into the game, like they had everything aligning for them to just make another step from where they had been. Uh, but again, that was more just the lead up and the season in general than the actual, the, the stinger of the game itself. I'm not sure if that's how you felt about the women's lacrosse team, or if we wanted to talk more about their amazing season this season under coach Lehman. Yeah, I, I think it's a fair point, but I, I, I look at it as, I mean, it's remarkable that they made the sweet 16 last year and they, they actually had a losing record. Uh, part right. of that's due to COVID because they didn't have a full schedule. But, you know, I thought this year was a breakthrough just in the sense of how they, they won every game except one that they should have won. They had a much better record. They uh, broke through in the Big Ten, you know, making the Big Ten championship. Their, their um, highest ranked win in program history, beating Northwestern, who was beating the number one team in the country, North Carolina, in the Final Four and ended up blowing that game. But that's irregardless of the fact, you know, they beat a Final Four team badly on their home field in the Big Ten semifinals. So I think just they've made they made a huge leap this year. I agree. You hope that they would make a little bit more of a leap beating Stony Brook and avenging that loss didn't happen. They were tied in the third quarter. Um, but I think you're seeing where this program is going under Coach Lehman, and uh, it's really exciting. I, I think two, three, four years from now, they, they might be if, you know, I, I think they're going to be on the level of women's soccer in terms of you know, being uh, arguably the best program at Rutgers, just the way that they're trending. Um, and women's lacrosse has had kind of the same five or six programs at the top for a few years now. But I think Rutgers is, you know, slowly but surely, not even slowly, just steadily climbing into that uh, kind of the periphery. Right. And next year is really going to be, you know, when you have Spillis and, and Ball and, um, you know, uh, back and, and a strong core returning, um, I'm really excited to see what they can do. Let's segue a little bit, talk about football just in terms of the year they had. Um, I will fully admit after the Northwestern loss, I thought they were done. I did not expect um, them to really recover. Uh, then they win those two Big Ten games uh, at Illinois, at Indiana. They're 5-5 five and five, uh, going into the last two weeks of the year. 
Um, you know, certainly progress there. Obviously, the season didn't end the way anyone wanted it to. Then you have the whole, you know, kind of uh, dream uh, scenario kind of sequence with the Gator Bowl coming about. Um, I don't think you really take what happened in that game too seriously on either side. But what are your overall thoughts of, of what football did and, and kind of where they're headed? Yeah, I would say that when you compare it to the previous year, things were in 2020 patched up with duct tape, some smoke and mirrors, and we were trying to figure out if Rutgers was going to be able to just play more conservative, more so Big Ten West football, which is kind of an interesting point as the Big Ten looks to possibly eliminate divisions, which would be probably as good for Rutgers as any other team in the country in any sport, <laughs> except for maybe, you know, volleyball, <laughs> Rutgers volleyball. But beyond that, uh, you know, some fundamental change to how this works. The Rutgers football team, I think they achieved what should have been expected. They won games they were supposed to win generally. And the games that were generally considered a toss-up, they did lose one in the case of Northwestern. They really should have won that game. Everything would indicate they should have won that game. And they played awful. But every year, especially under Shiano, Rutgers has had what I would call a clunker, a game that they just, something didn't click. I don't know if it was a motivational speech during the week, if it was in, like there was some injury things, maybe Rutgers thinks that they can do things in that game that don't work out. That was probably the takeaway in that Northwestern game. They thought they could run the ball. They couldn't. They took them too long to realize that they couldn't and then make a change because they were kind of steadfast in their stubborn, stubborn thinking. So, but that being said, that's, it's football. You, you shouldn't be, you never win every game. That's a toss up. Uh, if you do, you know, you have an amazing year in terms of the overall training of the program. Recruiting is taking a little bit of a, a speed bump considering that two of their best recruiters have moved on in Fran Brown and Taekwon Underwood. So I'm not sure if this year's recruiting class is going to be as good as the previous, but in terms of just building that steady base that every football program needs to maintain any level of success, I do think that's in place, especially on the offensive and defensive line, where if you look at the offensive line, yeah, they hit the transfer portal hard, but what's going under the radar is that they still brought in seven true freshman offensive linemen. So by the time they're ready, these transfers will be out of eligibility. And that's where, you know, that foundation is there. Defensive line, same thing. They were just patching things together with undersized players like Julius Turner, who, you know, gave it 110% every time out there, but you know, you're seeing how a guy who's a little bit bigger and faster, even if they're not at their best, can make a little bit more of an impact. Like Mayan Hanatu is very inconsistent. Uh, Keontae Hamilton showed flashes, but hasn't put it fully together. But you can see how dominant those guys can be, surely based on their size and physical ability, uh, if Rutgers can just get more of them. And so building that infrastructure, again, I, I hearken it to a Big Ten West team, I mean, Rutgers is trying to play the same style of football as Illinois, Northwestern, Iowa, Wisconsin. They all play that same like pound and don't turn the ball over. So it'll be interesting to see if Rutgers gets more of those teams on the schedule in the near future, if they're going to have more success on game day. And even if there's just more toss up games, that shouldn't result in better records and not these, you know, prayer bowl trips like we had, which was still really, really fun. True. Yeah, no, I think a lot of what you said makes sense. I think, uh, yeah, that the, uh, recruiting class this year, I think for a lot of reasons so far, isn't looking as good as last year. I think COVID certainly helped last year's class with, you know, recruits not having as many visits and maybe won't be more motivated to stay closer to home. But um, overall, I think, 
you know, I think the usage of the transfer portal this last year and getting guys like, I mean, on offense, you know, Sean Taj Harris and Sean Ryan, I think are, yeah. I'm really, really, really excited to see those two guys, you know, the offensive linemen uh, that we talked about, you know, coming on board too. So I think it's a key year. I think they lost a lot of key guys. I think the talent is certainly improved. I think the experience obviously is a lot less. So how does that shake out? It's a really hard schedule. You know, Iowa, Nebraska, Ohio State, your first three Big Ten games. I think if you, you know, can they physically make it through those three games? I think that's a serious question. Um, you're already, you know, serious depth issues at linebacker. Um, you know, I think they, they certainly could get to five uh, wins, possibly more. But I think it's, it's, I think 2023 for me is where I think we'll know where is this going? Is this headed in the right direction? Are they going to a bowl game legitimately? Um, or is it, are they still struggling to kind of make that jump? And I think you make a great point about divisions as well. A couple more for you before we wrap up. I uh, just wanted to ask in terms of this year, obviously, you know, being the best overall modern history, uh, you know, across the board, the success you had about, I think nine teams ranked at one point, men's basketball had votes. You had six teams finished in the top 20. You had the best director's cup finish ever. You know, is this year, is it a fluke? Is it, you know, going to be the norm? How much better can Rutgers do overall as an athletic department in the near future? It's a good question. My takeaway would be throughout all the metrics. I mean, obviously, it's great to see where you are in the director's cup standings for sure. But by the eye test, for the first time, we're watching a lot of teams since really the CVV and Stringer basketball programs where they just were just too much better than a lot of their opponents and they just, just overwhelm them. Even during the height of football's, you know, resurgence under Shiano 1.0, they didn't just physically just outperform and dominate teams in on a week in and week out basis. Whereas now it feels like certain programs like women's soccer being the best example. I mean, if they wanted to score 10 goals in a game against a lot of teams they played, they could have. Like they, if anything, the challenge that they faced was trying to figure out, okay, are we really an offensive team now? Or are we still a defense first team, which is generally a staple for Northeast programs, especially at Rutgers and virtually every sport. Uh, so for, so women's soccer would be the best example of that. But then you have a lot of other teams that are kind of in a inflection point. One that we didn't talk about men's soccer, where there were times where this team looked, I mean, legit top, let's say 15 team in the country. And then other times you're like, what are we watching here? So I think there's enough teams at the school that could take another step to make this more of the norm, even if other teams take a slight step back on a year in uh, basis, maybe not long term, but you know, like if wrestling is, a, is their normal, which is, let's say a top 15 program, um, then if somebody else takes a little bit of a step back, then so be it. So I think this is I think this is a new normal, but I'm not sure how much more we will see. Uh, I think for that to happen, it would take a huge step from football and women's basketball to be able to significantly improve where we are right now. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think men's basketball, for example, needs to be, are they going to take a step back that just from an optic standpoint brings everybody down? Like, what, what are your thoughts from that, whether it be optically or structurally? It's a good point about perception. And, um, you know, I think this year more than any, you know, nobody looked at the director's cup standings, you know, but it was, you know, Rutgers teams are winning, you know, and I think in the big 10, uh, big 10 fan bases really took notice. 
Um, you know, five teams make the Big Ten championship game. Obviously, we only won one, but still, I mean, it's it's uh, people were disappointed, but it's such a huge step forward. And I think, yeah, I think it is the new normal. I think, you know, there's going to be varying success year to year, but I think a lot of the programs that have had success are healthy and have sustainable uh, sustainability uh, to be able to continue success, you know, and, and yeah, there's peaks and valleys with recruiting with, you know, seniors leaving. There's a ton of great seniors that are not going to be there next year across the board, you know, field hockey, women's soccer, men's basketball, men's lacrosse, um, a lot of talent to replace, but I think that those programs are so healthy um, and prepared uh, to uh, continue success. Um, and I think, yeah, I think teams like football, um, you know, uh, teams that haven't had great success, you know, I think what kind of how I wanted to end it was who you think is primed to kind of make that next jump. And for me, it's men's soccer. You, you touched on it perfectly. They had an up and down season. They've shown flashes. Um, I think Jim McKeldry going into his fourth year now, I think this team is going to be poised to break through. Uh, if they can start making NCAA tournaments, that's going to be a boost. Um, and then I think, you know, uh, a program that you care about as well is, is women's gymnastics. I think, you know, they were ranked for the first time since 2013. Obviously, they lose, um, you know, big senior in Bell Wong, but, you know, they have a lot of people back. They have a lot of young talent there. If that program can start, you know, making NCAA championships and, you know, obviously they had three make the regionals, but they were ranked at one point this year. Um, you have those two programs alone. Women's basketball no longer be in the basement after last year. Football hover around five or six wins. I think, you know, you, you're not going to have two teams make the final four every year. But if you have, you know, seven, eight, nine teams make the NCAA tournament, uh, perform at NCAA championship level. Uh, I, I, I think it's I think they can be better than they were this year as a whole. Yeah, and the gymnastics point, I agree 100% in, in terms of it feels like the infrastructure is better. But when you look at their just final ranking as a team year over year, they're finishing somewhere, like if you're looking at Road to Nationals, for example, they're finishing between 39th and 46th pretty much every year the last few years, even though it seems like the team's getting better, uh, that they have more contributors, that they have more peak performances. So that's one of those ones, kind of like we saw baseball under Steve Owens last year, where you say to yourself, okay, the eye test isn't necessarily matching up with the results that we're seeing in terms of wins and losses. Whereas I think most of the other programs are at the point where their one loss record is pretty reflective of where the team is. I would say one of the more interesting ones is going to be women's lacrosse. And the reason I say that because, okay, Stony Brook is the team that they fell to the last two seasons, but Rutgers is in the big 10. So if they can sustain success, which they haven't done, theoretically, they should start be recruiting more of that top talent in the Northeast and really be able to basically steal players that might previously have gone to some of these other schools. So that, that I think is, is quite interesting from a, from a team perspective. I mean, they've got a good young coach. They've got, I, I hope <laughs> that means I'm young. If coach Lehman's young, right. Um, they have a good infrastructure, toughness about their team. They're in a fertile recruiting ground. I think that women's lacrosse is one that could could make an even bigger leap than they did now. Other than that, basketball is going to be interesting. Baseball, we really don't know what their ceiling is. I, I think the Big Ten is going to be down, which is good for them because they're going to be able to 
have a lot of top three finishes in the conference, probably. But what does that get you? That didn't even get you to the NCAA tournament this year. So that's going to be interesting to see how strength of schedule might play into it. Because what's going to start happening is what happened to Rutgers football 15 years ago, which is, okay, why do I want to put this team on my schedule when a loss is going to be bad for me and a win doesn't really get me that much because people don't have a lot of respect for the Big Ten in this particular sport. So there's going to be a lot of nuance with with a lot of these programs. Um, but yeah, I would say gymnastics would be the least surprising if they make a jump. But we had been predicting that for a few years. Uh, and, and men's soccer, I think you hit the nail on the head with your two selections. I just think that there might be more that baseball and women's lacrosse can do to even surpass any previous standard that had been set in the history of Rutgers athletics for those programs. Well said, and I, I, I agree with you. I think baseball, you know, they do have a lot to replace uh, and we haven't even seen the MLB draft yet, but, you know, depending on who gets picked and when, um, but replacing guys like Dale Sandovich, you know, the best uh, closer in the Big Ten, Samillo, a catcher, just, you know, the way the job he's done in the transfer portal has been remarkable. You know, can he sustain just, it? Yeah. yeah, can he sustain it? And can he start to, I mean, he's got talent coming in in the high school ranks. I think that, you know, is really key moving forward. But um, absolutely, I think, you know, baseball and men, uh, women's across certainly can become elite programs pretty, pr- pretty quickly here. Uh, David Anderson, always a pleasure. Love talking Rutgers sports with you. Thanks so much for your time and all your great insight as always. Thanks for having me, Aaron. And uh, everybody have a great summer. Try to de- uh, decompress after this intense season of, of winning for the first time in a long time. Thanks so much to David. Always a pleasure to speak with him about Rutgers sports and uh, just someone that's extremely knowledgeable in, in so many different programs and follows it uh, with his parents, uh, you know, being former Rutgers student athletes as well. And uh, I think just wanted to put a spin on or a bow on this past year. Now we're, you know, in a, uh, the off season, the summer. Today is the first day of, of summer as we record this and uh, lots to look forward to next year. Uh, which is really uh, a couple months away for Rutgers Athletics. So um, hope everyone enjoys their downtime. We will continue to cover as much as we can with Rutgers Athletics here at On the Banks. Uh, draft coming up later this week. Ron Harper Jr. expected to be taken in the second round. We'll have four, full coverage of, of that, as well as uh, continuing coverage of all the other programs here at On the Banks. Follow On the Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.